welcome to the latest instalment of the Travel Weekly podcast. I'm Amy Keeley and on this episode, Lee Hayhurst speaks to the Chief Executive of Travel Councillors. So I'm here with Steve Byrne, Chief Executive of Travel Councillors in their amazing offices, um, which they've been in for four years now on the outskirts of Manchester, close to the Trafford Centre. Um, So these offices, the first time I've seen them and they're they're really, really open and nice and modern. But what have they done for you as a company in the last four years, Steve? The move overall has been really successful. Uh, we were, we'd outgrown our office space in Bolton, which had housed the company for a long, long period of time and very successful uh, at that. But we needed more room uh, to be able to uh, expand and we wanted to improve the experience we're able to offer our people when they come into, into work. So as you can see, we've created large uh, open plan uh, areas where people uh, provide a, provides a nice working environment and as well as doing that we've also introduced uh, flexible and smarter working into the into our team we've got over 400 people here who support our travel councillors uh, across the across the country so we've coincided the move with the introduction of flexible and smart and smarter working to improve the overall experience for our people because at the end of the day we are a people-based business both travel councils and the people that support our travel councils is right that we did we, we, we did all of that and we kept 97% of people who are with us in Bolton they came on the physical and mental journey with us into these new offices and it's also provided a, a position a location for us to make sure that we remain competitive in our ability to attract new talent particularly in the technology area yeah. and you'll know from your, your contacts and relationships the northwest is a real hotbed in terms of uh, tech businesses and travel tech-based travel businesses so we've been able to retain and also attract talent into the business and the location experience that we offer our people here has been an important part of that so overall a huge success yeah, i was going to talk about the culture and what the physical aspect of the office does for the culture in the business How's that changed just by physically being in, a, in an office like this? Well, the culture in the business was always good. I think you, you've known the company for some time, so we've always had a really good positive uh, culture since the day the company was was created. And you can have a great building and a terrible culture, and a great culture and a terrible uh, building. The most important thing, I think, is getting the culture right. The, 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 the building uh, has facilitated uh, what we want to do with the culture, so you... you people listening won't be able to see but you can see there's lots of open plan areas here where people can go and get away from their desk and work collaboratively with uh, with people so we offer a very fluid and flexible working arrangement Uh, so I think those things are important I think it's much more important though that people understand uh, people feel as though that they're being treated properly and respectively and the basics are in place in terms of it's a nice place to work and it's safe and secure and you know the pay and benefits are all are all proper. I think it's increasingly more important for people that they understand why the business that they're working for exists and what it stands for and what, how does it treat its customers and how does it treat its people and how does it treat the community that it's uh, that it's that it's part of. So we put a lot of focus on on that. So people, I think, hopefully take some uh, uh, value from the fact that the, the company, like most travel businesses 
puts a huge amount of focus on doing the right thing by its by its customers. And in our business model, the conduit to doing the right thing by our customers is having brilliant travel counsellors who in turn need brilliant people supporting them. So mm. we have to make sure we look after our people because without them, we don't have a business. Okay. Let's move on to talk a bit about how you see the market. Um, we've seen struggling airlines. We've seen um, some lots of positive stuff out of that's a Thomas Cook, and that the high street's clearly still suffering. But what, what, are you, what are you seeing from Travel Council's point of view, and what do you think about the wider market and how this year's going to pan out? Well, you've got some, I think, some short-term and some structural things, uh, and the two overlap, uh, because if you've got a mod- business model that maybe not as future-proof, you're going to feel it more, more acutely in, in tougher times. So, you know, there's no doubt in the short term, uh, although it seems to be dragging on for a bit longer than we'd all expect, uh, we're at a macro level, we are seeing challenges, aren't we? So the uncertainty around Brexit is affecting most sectors of the economy. It's affecting mm-hmm. the economy, most sectors in the economy. And travel and travel councillors is no different from, from that. So there's a general uncertainty. And then we did see uh, a drop-off in people being less inclined to book a, uh, a short or holiday over the Easter period, which coincided with the 31st of March uh, de- deadline. So there's been some short-term softness. We're still trading positively, so we've still got significant year-on-year uh, growth. So what you try and do in a, in a period of softness is be very clear what your strategy is so that you can perform better than your competitors, so that your people are in a better place than your competitors so the sorts of things that we have been doing is making sure that we carry on investing uh, because all the all the data shows that those businesses that don't invest in a period of toughness when the good times come back they perform worse than those that did carry on investing secondly make sure that we get the best out of the significant investments we already make in the business of which there are quite a lot thirdly put together a really proactive commercial action plan to make sure that we are capitalising on any opportunities so we've been very proactive with our travel councillors in promoting long haul destinations and switch selling customers from short haul to long haul that's worked really really uh, well and, 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 and just getting more market share in a, in, a, in, a, in a tougher market so the UK business so far this year is trading up by about uh, 12% in volume, in volume, but that's partly like that's partly because we've got more travel councils and also the growth in like for like sales. But yeah. there's no doubt the market is uh, tougher. Actually, the underlying economic um, data is pretty good, or it should be. It should be a good year because you've got high unemployment, high, high high employment, low unemployment. You've actually got wages rising faster than inflation, so you've got real real wage increases. That always should be a good sign for travel. It's just unfortunately this year. Maybe it's a Brexit effect or something that's going on that's undermining consumer confidence a little bit. Looking at the overall market, do you think we'll look back on this year and say it's a real shame that that one issue has, has dented what should have been a good year? I don't think uh, I don't think most people running businesses will look back. You don't have, you don't have time. Uh, you've always got to be looking forward, and you know our, our people pay us to make sure that we're thinking about where do we need to be in three years' time. And then given the market conditions that we have got, we can't change them what we do to be to be the very best in, in it. And, uh, you know, the travel councils and the team here don't pay me to, to think about what if and what could, have, what could have been. We have to do the best with what we've, best with what we've got. The, 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 the macro, hard macro factors, as you said, some of them are positive. But what's most important in people's lives are how you feel and how do you make people 
uh, feel. And there's no doubt that some people are feeling less, less confident because of the overall news. So our job is to step into that breach and fill that vacuum and make people feel positive and feel confident about going on holiday and having a great time. And therefore you need the right quality of people being proactive to do that. And that is what most human travel advisors do. They care for the customer and they are proactive. And that's why most travel businesses will perform, will perform well. Yeah. So all companies these days constantly need to look at you know, what's the next model, what's, what's going to come and disrupt potentially so that they're ahead of the game. It won't be different, any different from, for you guys. I guess home working at one, one stage was the disruptive model. What's coming next, do you think? I mean, I know you're bringing in new models for your home workers where they can employ people, they can group together and work as, as a team. So that's an evolution of what you do. What, what, how do you see models changing and evolving for your, for your business? Well, I think what we do is evolving. You know, the culture enables and empowers people to develop and refine how they work to meet the needs of themselves and their family, and that will change over time. And so you can work as a self-employed soul, as a travel counsellor, uh, or you can uh, have your own business, employ people, or you can start to partner with other travel counsellors to, to work together as teams. You can decide what you want. The point is you're in control. I think, I think there's one generic thing that cuts across all, all businesses in terms of potential disruption and risk and opportunity, and that is development in technology, mm. and particularly... Uh, machine-based learning and artificial intelligence. What is the opportunity and threat that poses to your business? And we're not, you know, uh, any different to anyone else in, uh, in in that. And I can talk about what we're doing about that. That's common across 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 everyone. But to me, the the the, the, the things that are going to denote those businesses that are going to carry on disrupting and disrupt. And people want to be part of businesses that are disrupting and can disrupt because that's going to future-proof your own career. They're going to exhibit two fundamental attributes. First and foremost, they empower the person closest to the customer to be in control of that experience to provide that customer. Uh, So whether it's person controlling their website experience or the, the selling experience, that person closest to the customer must be trusted with all of the things they need to do to look after that customer at the time they need to at the time that they that they need. So that means you need an upside down business model where you put the person closest to the customer and put them as the most important person in the business. And the second thing you uh, must have is brutal, rapid uh, line of sight on how customers are feeling about you. What's good and what can be better, yep. and then real nimbleness in moving quickly to fix those things that can be. Uh, that can that can that can be better, and you need a culture that supports the person that's most important is the person closest to the customer, and a culture that supports we want also want to know how well we're doing, and a culture that's encouraging knowing how that you can make things better. So where people have got a voice, particularly those that are closer to the customer, say, listen, if we did this, this would make our experience that we give our customers better, and not be fearful of saying this is how we can be better as a company. We want to create a culture where you can garnish and harvest the collective and individual ideas of everyone in your business for the betterment of of everyone and therefore your culture's got to encourage that. So to me, the businesses that are going to disrupt are those that master technology, invest in technology in a way that supports their business model, are thinking about their risk opportunities with that, but fundamentally empower the person closest to the customer and know how customers are feeling about them and move quickly to make that customer experience better with a view that what you're trying to do has not changed. 
you're trying to build trust with that customer so that customer comes back to you and refers them to your family and friends we're living in an age when people are losing confidence in brands and in institutions yeah. in, polit- in politicians but they do trust individuals yeah. individual vice through social channels or analogue channels so let's empower people to build those trusted relationships and traditionally in travel the trust human to human might have taken place face to face it could have taken place in the high streets but we know how the high street is suffering and and I guess um, some of the issues Thomas Cook are facing uh, exemplify that but we've it's been suggested um, on our website by one of our economists that maybe the future for the high street is that those face to face interactions can operate in a different way whereby you know it could be a home worker rent some space in a retail unit for the amount of time they need to do it during during the week so they can have that face-to-face but ostensibly operate as a freelancer um, from from home in the way that your agents do i know you've said recently when we've interviewed you you don't see travel councillors establish themselves in high street pres- uh, premises but is that a possibility if, if the cost of doing business on the high street does come down as it may be will do as, as the high streets suffer and, and, and local authorities realise they can't keep um, you know, taking more money off, off businesses. Can you, can you see that model changing so that technology allows more of a face-to-face um, interaction with customer and, and an agent? Well, I think you want to be uh, visible and access- accessible to meet the needs of the customer rather than what's dictated to by the operating style of your, of your business. But I don't think that is the the central question. So, yes, you know, as was said in the article, it, it's it's helpful, isn't it, if you know the travel agent on the high street is as is, is convenient to access as uh, you know an, o, an, o, an OTA. But it runs much deeper than deeper than that. You know, whether you're working from home or whether you're working from a shop or whether you're running a, an online booking solution you know why are you why are you doing what you do what type of relationship are you trying to to, to, to build you can have a great uh, or poor experience through the through the high street depending on the motivations of the business and the individuals involved and looked after the customer so to me the, the central thing is is caring more than anyone else whether you're working from a shop or whether you're working from a home or whether you're you know in a call in a call center or whether you're caring for the customer through an online process are you setting yourself up primarily to care more for the customer than anyone else and any of your competitors? And if you do that, then where you're based is completely secondary to that. That is the most important thing. Yeah. Another live debate that's going on currently in, in travel is around the professionalism of, of agents and um, a new entrant into the, U- the UK market from the US and teletravel, yeah, a homeworking model, so similar, similar to yours, um, is causing a few waves because they are clearly bringing in people who uh, are not travel agents, but they're al- allowing them and en- enabling them to be travel agents. They've just got their ABTA licence, and uh, there's a few people who think um, that's not good for the industry. What, what's, what's, your, what's your view on this? Do you accept all potential competition as good news because you think you can... Um, stand out or do you have some reservations about how this particular kind of model works i think you when you're running a business and you know we're all imperfect aren't we so you know, our business isn't perfect uh, and i'm a very imperfect ceo so it'd be arrogant not to take notice of what others are doing because it's a potential threat and also a learning oppor- opp- 
opportunity, but I don't think you spend too much time worrying about it. You need to be conversant uh, with it. I think the most important thing is, are you doing all that you can to make your business even better for the future and better for the people that are part, uh, part of it? Our, our business model is very different from uh, those newer entrants who, you know, they've been around for some time in other parts of the, of the world. So what, well, you know, we've known each other what, for 14, 15 years and you know, for the vast majority of that time our, our model was pretty singling that we had you know, individual travel councils working from home. And you said you know, homework, homeworkers, etc. The, 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 the platform that we've now got supports and facilitates lots of different ways of working. So, we, so we're positioned now really to, to host travel entrepreneurs. We've got a very different model and I think one thing that has always set the, 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 the company apart, though, regardless of how people ply their trade, is that we focused on recruiting the best. So the process to become a travel counsellor and to use our platform is selective. Uh, we only want the very, very best people because we want people who are committed to providing that caring service to, the, uh, to their customers. So we do have an academy programme, for example, that takes non people from a non-travel background into the... Uh, into the TC community, but it's a significant investment which shows a serious level of commitment to, the, to doing the job prop, properly on a full-time basis, and we provide a significant amount of support over 12 months so that they can graduate as a professional travel advisor. And what we are talking about here is a profession. L- legal, uh, medicine, finance, I'm, a, I'm an accountant, but I don't like to talk about it. Yep. A prof- travel advice is a profession. Uh, uh, it requires a huge amount of dexterity in terms of the types of products that you might offer. You've got to be able to look after the customer, uh, and there's nothing more difficult in business than dealing with customers and, and, more, and more rewarding. And if you do it on a self-employed basis, you've got no guaranteed income. So the people who do that are, are special uh, and, and professional. So we want to be part of a, uh, within our own community, do all that we can that enhances the professionalism and standing of people within the TC community. What others do is entirely up for them, but we know who we are and we know what we stand for. Do you, do you accept that there is a role for people who are effectively influencers? I mean, social media is full of influencers, not just in travel, but yeah, we've got every sector. Well. But you are influencers, yeah, that's yeah, true. Absolutely. But what the IntelliTravel model is to say, well, let's just make everybody an influencer. And if they can, if they can develop some leads for a, a, a travel company there's some there's some value in that do you accept there's a role for that in the in the industry but that 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 should not be seen to be on a par with professional travel agents but it's it's up it's 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 competition isn't it Mm. and it's up for us and others to make us stand out from those other models Uh, so that's a challenge for us an opportunity for uh, for us, all I would say from my experience in, because obviously we we are an international business, is where those where those other models exist in those other markets. What you've uh, what you tend to find is that the supplier partner network uh, tend to find it difficult to be able to uh, identify within that range of people who are now applying uh, their trade as a travel advisor. Who are the full-time professionals and who's done it doing it on on a different type of, of, of basis and therefore the market can become very 
fragmented and 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 and, and, clut- and cluttered, uh, but without any form of formal regulation to that, without any formal accreditation of it, which is what has happened in some countries, then it's up to, to, to those people who operate in that broad sector, as I say, to make ourselves stand, stand out. So it's a competitive opportunity, but it's a competitive uh, threat. But maybe it's you know, one of my many, many imperfections. I don't spend too long worrying about what other people are doing. You know, I'm paid to make sure this business provides the very best support network for people who want to be part of it so that they want to stay and they refer us. And a third of all of our new travel councillors, we take on 350 a year, come from referrals from existing travel councillors because our job is to support them and provide a platform for them. And that's where I should be spending my time. One final question about the brand, the travel councillors' brand. I think you've spoken in the past and you accept, you, you would obviously like the brand to have... 100% 100% recognition out there of people mm. to think about travel councillors the moment they think about a holiday. Now, you know, that would be ideal, but we know, you know, travel councillors is going to be known by a certain number of people. How, how are you um, approaching that dilemma that you will have of um, promoting the brand from the centre without running other people's businesses for them? Because it's really your councillor's job to do your marketing for, on their behalf and therefore it benefits the brand. But what, what are you able to do from the centre to get Chapel Council's brand really front and centre of people's minds? Well, I think it's a, it's a significant opportunity. Uh, if you deal with the boring stuff first, and we talk about the people, because the people are most important. We turn over £650 million a year. Uh, it's grown by 16% a year every year for the past 16 years without any con- consistent brand advertising. Mm-hmm. And within that, the most important thing is the stories of individual travel councillors who've grown their business without the support of a, of a brand. They've done it by looking after their customers, people coming back to them and referring them. So this is a business model that's expert at building a business based on retention and referral. Then what's the, what's the additional opportunity that we could create for our uh, community if the travel councillor's brand was proactively promoted, either through digital or uh, analogue uh, uh, channels? That is something that we will no doubt develop our thinking on that with our, uh, with, our, with our investors. But if we do, the sole purpose of it will be to help our individual travel councillors because all fulfilment is done through the travel councillors. Where do you think the opportunity for that is? Is it, is it does the social offer the opportunity for that? So Google's this big, massive advertising platform, but social can be a bit more targeted and localised. You've got local travel councillors in local markets who are real people on the ground. They live and work in these places. Does the social offer that the, opportunity? So Terry Lee, he spoke, at, I think, at the ITT conference about 10, 12 years ago. And he said, the problem with most travel businesses is they spend far too much time and money trying to chase new customers rather than looking after customers that they've already got. So our primary focus look after our existing customers, get referrals from our existing customers. You can scale a business by doing that, and we've got you know, thousands of examples of travel councils doing that. And then we've got a further opportunity to top that up if we want to. But I think you're quite right. That would be done in a digital way through digital, net, through digital networks where the power of word of mouth is huge. Mm. Uh, and much more effective uh, than uh, traditional sort of forms of, of generating, uh, generating leads. But we have got such a massive opportunity in our UK market. We've estimated that the market size for, from customers who want some type of human-to-human facilitated travel 
is about nine billion. And we're a 400 million pound business in the UK. So there's lots for us to go at to help our existing people do better with our existing model. And when the time is right, yes, we can do more with the use of the brand. But at the moment, there's much more we can do with our existing model. And it's working for the vast majority of people. But our job every day is to make it even better for the people that we've got. Steve, thanks very much for your time and inviting me up to sunny Manchester. That's great. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can find our podcast on iTunes and Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. 